Chapter 4 In Transport to Auschwitz On November 15, 1942, the prison warden opened the door of the cell and called out the names of the prisoners, including myself, to follow him. He led us into the prison yard where several military trucks were waiting. They loaded us quickly on these trucks and drove to the Plock railway station. This was the first time I found myself in the open after three months in the prison cell. You have no idea how beautiful the world looked to me. The sky was so high and blue, the air so fresh, and the trees so pretty and smelled so wonderful that I wanted to take them in my arms and never let go. The SS guards surrounded the railway station, holding their automatics ready. As they were loading us to the train, several women were waiting with food packages. Among them I saw my mother as she tried to hand over a small food package to me, but the SS man pushed her aside as she tried desperately to say something to me. I could not hear her because she was too far. Thus I departed without ever saying goodbye to my mother, not knowing if I would see her ever again. A dull whistle penetrated the air. This was the announcement that traveling had started. Just like an animal that runs away with its prey, the train started and quickly slipped away. A groan escaped from my lips. I was feeling a horrible pain in my chest. If somebody came into this train, one would see a sad and desperate human being plunged in deep, nightmarish meditation. I heard the monotonous sound of bumping wheels, which harmonized perfectly with the atmosphere of weirdness. It seemed to me as if the trip lasted a whole century already. As I stood at the small barbed wire window of the carriage and looked out into the free world, I wanted to satiate my eyes as if I'm seeing everything for the last time. I had the impression that I was sitting in a fortress, before which a film reel was moving with many colored pictures of the world that was saying goodbye to me. It looked to me as if the world wanted me to fill my eyes with everything because I would be seeing it for the last time. The train continued its long, monotonous way for about two hours. Finally, we approached Nilsk. Everybody shook off the gloomy thoughts and rushed to the small window to look at the station. It was dark outside when we arrived at the station, and the train moved to a sidetrack in order not to impede military transports. The place was deep in fog, and no sign of life was visible. The only people who reminded me of life were the German military police in helmets armed with guns and bayonets. They led us to the city of Nasilsk's police jail. For security reasons, they handcuffed us in pairs. In the jail, we had to sleep on wooden platforms without mattresses. My wrist became so swollen that every move was very painful. After two days in that jail, they escorted us back to the train station and loaded us into prison carriages destined for Warsaw. We approached Warsaw. As soon as the train arrived at the station, they loaded us on military trucks and drove to Pawiak Prison, which was located outside the wall surrounding the Jewish ghetto. During the week in the Pawiak Prison, I heard loud explosions and gunfire coming from the ghetto. I was not aware that there was a Jewish uprising at that time. After a few days in the Pawiak prison, they loaded us on military trucks and drove us to the Warsaw West Railway Station. They loaded us quickly into the freight cars, 60 in each car in alphabetical order. A dull whistle penetrated the air. This was the announcement that traveling had begun. The train started moving and quickly slipped away. We were passing through various villages and localities quite unknown to me. When our train stopped at the station, I saw a transport of German soldiers who looked at us with contempt and hatred. 
they would have gladly hurled themselves upon us, whom they considered responsible for the fact that they had to leave their homes and say goodbye to their parents, brothers, and sisters. They had to leave their wives who had sobbed and their children who did not let themselves be wrenched away from their arms, crying, Papa, don't go away. Now they have the satisfaction of seeing us weak, broken, and helpless. Following this station, we had been traveling so slowly for such a long time, it seemed that night has set in again. The nightmarish night has put everybody to sleep. We are approaching Krakow. There was no sign of life at the station except for the SS troopers with guns waiting for us. We were ordered to form columns of five and march toward the Montalupich prison, where we were detained for several days until another transport to Auschwitz was ready. Torturous days in Myslowich. The last stop in the transport to Auschwitz was in the Myslowich prison camp. This was a slave labor camp, one of the sub-camps of Auschwitz where prisoners were used in coal mines. The sun was clearing the horizon as we marched through the gate to the camp, unaware that the special form of collective punishment invented by Theodor Ecke was awaiting us in the camp. They led us to a building with a large, empty room on the ground floor. It was undesirable for other prisoners in the camp to meet with us. The room was without partitions or any other furniture except in the middle there was a cluster of three-tier metallic beds without mattresses. They surrounded these beds with a metallic screen about four meters high. In addition, there were two SS guards, one with a machine gun and searchlight on elevated platform, and the other with an automatic pistol walking around the clustered beds. They guarded the prisoners day and night, twenty-four hours a day. For two weeks, we had been compelled to lie motionless on bare springs day and night without changing positions. Dim lights were on day and night, twenty-four hours a day. The guards would shoot as soon as one of us dared to walk or straighten himself up. They fulfilled their duties most willingly as they were bored, for one thing, and besides that, the first floor was full of creeping and jumping insects, which annoyed them. In addition to the SS guards, there were two prisoners called califactors who served meals and performed other duties, such as restraining prisoners on the floor during flogging. All movements in the beds, turning to the other side and getting in and out of beds, had to be on command. We had to lay in these beds motionless and were allowed to get up only when ordered by the guards. As a rule, each day we had to get off the beds three times for meals and two times for the bathroom. Each activity was limited to a very short time. On the way to the bathroom, we had to imitate running with hands raised above our heads. Getting off and on these beds had been on command. When the SS guard counted to four, one, two, three, four, all of us had to be lying motionless in the beds. Anybody who did not make it in time received twenty lashes metered by the SS guards on the floor. This tortuous procedure continued until everybody made it on time. For those in the lower and middle bunks, it was much easier. However, for those on the top tier, it was more difficult, and those who did not make it on time received twenty lashes on the floor. One day, an older man who could not make it on time to his third-tier bunk above mine was punished mercilessly several times. I felt very sorry for him, and on our way to the bathroom, I whispered to him that I am younger and I will make it on time, so we should exchange bunks. So the next time when the SS guard ordered for us to jump into the beds, one, two, three, four, 
he managed to get into the second-tier bunk on time while I made it easily onto his. Thus, he avoided further punishment. Prolonged lying in bed, motionless on bare metal springs for two weeks was an unusually cruel punishment with particular severe psychological effects. Arrival at Auschwitz After two weeks of tortures in the Meislowitsche camp, we were loaded into a freight car train destined for Auschwitz. In about an hour, the slow-moving train arrived at Auschwitz railway station. As the train stopped, a prolonged whistle announced our arrival. I realized that we have come to the end of our journey. A gloomy atmosphere seized everybody on the train. In the meantime, the SS guards had taken their positions around the train. Their commander reported that all sentries had mounted guards and the train could be unloaded. The commanding officer of the escorting squad, which had guarded the train on its journey, usually a police officer, handed over the list of prisoners in his transport to the SS officer of the receiving squad. As soon as the doors of the freight car had opened, the SS guard started screaming, Rolls! Rolls! We moved quickly and formed columns in rows of five. Surrounded by the SS guards of the Auschwitz garrison, we marched in the direction of the camp. In about ten minutes, we reached the camp gate with the large letters above it, Arbeit macht frei. Work will make you free.